Welcome to The Backstory from Type Investigations, where we sit down with one of our reporters and ask them to take us behind the scenes of their work. In this edition, we're talking with Juliana Schatz-Preston, an Ida B. Wells Fellow with Type Investigations. Juliana has been reporting on how parents who have children with severe mental illnesses feel pressured to give up custody in order to obtain psychological treatment. She focused on Connecticut, where a group of parents has been pushing the state to stop the practice. That reporting became a desperate bargain, a radio story produced in partnership with Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting, as well as a TV documentary produced in partnership with Frontline. What sorts of challenges and obstacles did you face in reporting such an opaque and bureaucratic issue? It's a very complex subject. And at the beginning, it seemed as though there were sort of a black and white accountability story. Um, Turned out to be, as you say, much more opaque. It's more a story of a broken system. And certainly with certain parties that that certainly need to be held accountable, but um, identifying, you know, that along the way was challenging. It's also um, anytime you deal with child protection, subject matter, um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's risky and, and challenging in that way. Um, I think um, finding parents that were open to sharing their stories took some time um, and uh, you know because it is so personal and it is so traumatic to live relive certain mo- moments in their in their personal stories um, I think going into this I, I read about it being you know th- what I had read in research was that this was a nationally occurring phenomenon and then realized very quickly that because each state, handles their child protection or child welfare, mental health differently that I would have to concentrate on one state. And that state was Connecticut. Finding hard data was challenging. We thought, you know, maybe we could FOIA numbers of, of custodial relinquishments for mental health care. But those numbers don't, in fact, exist. Luckily, there we did, or we, I, you know, the team, found that there was a researcher working on this subject and had discovered that really two-thirds of states don't collect this data at all. In Connecticut, they don't collect this data in a formal capacity. But through the reporting, we discovered that there was a very distinct petition for neglect that selected what was called uncared for due to specialized needs that really isolated the number that we were looking for. And in fact, it represents an at minimum occurrence, right? So we think that there are other cases that fit this description but we, but they, those numbers are sort of out there in the ether, and we don't, you know, I don't know how to collect them. But firm numbers are are those petitions, and thank goodness we were able to find them. You talk with families who tell you their side of the story, and then you sit down with an official from the Department of Children and Families in Connecticut. What did it take to prepare for that interview with DCF? 
in order to prepare for the interview with the Deputy Commissioner, Christina Stevens, from the Department of Children and Families in Connecticut, required um, a lot of preparation with my editor, Alyssa Figueroa, and um, our counterpart editor at Reveal, Casey Miner, to really uh, evaluate what were the critical points that we needed to hear from them. Certainly, we wanted their perspective and their side. Um, and, and and just to see, you know, like truly, and, and, and truly they feel that they are not doing this in any kind of malicious way. Um, but we really wanted to kind of understand, well, then why is it happening at all? My interview with DCF occurred in the fall of 2018. Um, and I started the reporting the previous year. So this was a very long process, and I think we wanted to make sure that we didn't interview DCF until we had all of our reporting in line so that we could be uh, very straightforward and um, in presenting our findings. And what was it like to hear those different sides of the issue from the families and from DCF? You know, one thing that DCF did make very clear was that the perspective of the parent was valid, right? They did give them that, that this is a very traumatizing experience for a parent that's going through arguably the, the biggest crisis of their family's life. And, and to be in a situation where there are not a lot of options, um, you know, that was never in question, right? Um, however, uh, DCF felt that they were doing their job. Once the Department of Children and Families is involved in your, in your world, in your family, everything you do is scrutinized through the lens of the Department of Children and Families, which is primarily an agency that deals with child abuse and neglect. Certainly, they have a mandate to provide this safety net of mental health services. But what can you say? You know, I mean, what to you or I may appear like a family that is struggling may be looked at differently. How did you go about approaching asking parents those sensitive or personal questions? I spoke to families across the country. I mean, uh, at least 30 parents, 12 parents in Connecticut. All of them had the same story to tell, but many of them were not prepared to share that publicly. They felt deep. Every One thing that is universal with these parents is the shame that they feel the stigma that they feel. Um, and so the parents who were not prepared, I did not push. So luckily, um, I mean, it's a game of odds. You ask enough of them, someone will be willing, right? So I mean, I interviewed many people before I found the person that would be willing to share their story publicly, who was just maybe a couple of years out of their most dramatic moments that felt that they had the wherewithal to revisit those moments and, and really relive them. 
You chose to include a potential solution to this problem from New Jersey. Why was it important to incorporate a solution? First and foremost, I wanted to highlight this issue and let it be known that it occurs because when I first found out about it, I just felt like it was bonkers. I could not even comprehend that this was even an option or, uh, I mean, if you can even call it an option. But on the other hand, you know, there is so much calling out of issues and problems and there really isn't a ton done, in my opinion, to establish what possible solutions can be. Um, you know, let's say someone in another state recognizes it. Maybe they're in a position of authority. Maybe they're a commissioner of their child welfare institution in their state, and they're listening to this story, and then they hear, oh, my gosh, this this is the same thing that's happening in our state. Well, how, how good to then hear, oh, well, this state, you know, that New Jersey was able to do something about it, and this is how they did it, and we, we interviewed that person. Well, maybe they'll reach out to that person afterwards. I don't know. Giving someone the tools to fix the problem is just as important as expressing the problem. What did you learn from reporting the story that you think you'll take with you to your next investigation? I think the best thing to, I mean, just practically, is like to a reporter to reporter, is to be collecting all of your documentation as you go. Um, you know, I learned a lot about systems and, and, and everything, but I think on a practical reporter level, I learned that you should be collecting all of your documentation as you go versus uh, collecting some of that information toward the end of your reporting because it always will take longer than you think. And uh, fortunately, we were able to do all of that. My reporting took much longer than I expected. So fortunately, we, everything was in line by broadcast, but... Um, documents take time, months. So as soon as you are told one thing and you think that you might need that element for your fact check, just immediately request it so that you have the time. Was there anything that really surprised you over the course of reporting this story? I mean, from the word go, I was surprised that Child Protective Services agencies across the country are the agency indicated to manage mental health for children in their states and I'm in the in the safety net capacity when there are no other recourses which is often the case anyway some insurances don't cover it many school districts won't cover it that to me felt problematic from the start the other thing that felt surprising to me was how vilified these parents were when at the end of the day they were just looking for help. A big thanks to Juliana Schatz-Preston for speaking with us. If you haven't already checked out Juliana's investigation, A Desperate Bargain, you can find it on the Type Investigations website. Thanks for listening.